from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. It's going to be interesting coming out of it, what we're going to do. I think it'll be interesting in the way of, I suppose, what sticks. So businesses that were previously, who could never work from home, couldn't do it, yada, yada, yada. They've had to adapt. They've had to yeah. do it. So things like, for argument's sake, you know, you're paying a million dollars a year in rent for this premises. Mm. Could you have the staff work from home or more remote, get cheaper ones? And even if, say, Definitely. you dropped by 100 grand, you're still mm. 100 grand better off. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I what sort of stuff like that or you know, meetings that will be done via Zoom rather than in person. And it'll be interesting to see what sticks and what doesn't. Yeah, no, that's right. This is going to be a catalyst for more permanent change because people have proven that you can still be efficient and get stuff done working at home. So, yeah, office space is one. Like yeah. the other one is like they reckon there's been a lot more telehealth going on. Yeah, doctor's appointment is by Zoom or whatever. And they reckon that's probably going to stick even more for, you think of a lot of, doctor's appointments you may have, you don't actually have to be in the same room. You just want your antibiotics and you want to get out of there. Yeah, and if it's so okay, for those things, script, then yeah, yeah, why not? It's easy enough to do. But then the other changes are going to be, well, you think about it, people's expectations around hygiene now, whereas you might have cleaned your premises twice a week. Does that yeah. now change to twice a day? I know I was going to a gym as coronavirus was just coming out. And they'd moved to, you know, cleaning the place twice a day. That just increases costs where you never thought. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. And even just from a, a social point of view, not just economically, we haven't been locked down long enough that I think it'll go away. But for myself mm. personally, it's been weird not shaking in, you know, because yeah. instinctively yeah. shake the client's head when they come in. So having to stop that, I mean, I think that will come back. But if mm, it could, I hope so. 12 months or a couple of years where we didn't have to, you know, maybe it, mm. it wouldn't because that wouldn't be the norm anymore. What little things will stay? People might stand further away from each other just instinctively. Yeah, that's right. It'll take a while for cruises to come back, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would hate being in that business. Are you still doing anything with the cruises out of curiosity? No, no, we haven't seen anything. I, I think a lot of those cruise lines are actually sort of run out of the States or the UK. They're quite big companies. I, I did talk to someone who was sort of a guy out of South Australia that had some cruise ships, but for some reason he seemed okay. And I guess one thing coming out of coronavirus is if you're cashed up, which this guy was, it's a great buying opportunity. Yeah, that's one thing, like you said, in economic hardship like now, if you do have the cash, you can make some really good money. It will recover. Obviously, you've got to have the money to do it. That's right, yeah. Like Barack Obama says, you know, don't waste a crisis. Yeah. Um, there were people waiting there, some of them maybe seagulls, but, you know, they're waiting yeah. out there to pick things up. I reckon another thing around what recovery mode looks like is making sure, and you touched on it, Mitch, is, yeah, you've kicked your debt down the road a bit and like your cafe example, you've now got 12 grand's worth more of debt sitting there that you've got to do something with. Plus, add to that, it might be a heap of tax debt that you had to defer and a heap of bank debt that you had to defer and maybe other supplies. So you've now got this building mountain of debt or a molehill of debt that you have to deal with. And so you've got to think about how am I going to deal with that? And then you also got to think about 
how do I start up business? I was speaking to a guy that runs a pub. So he had to throw out all his kegs because they'd all gone stale. Couldn't keep them for two months. Yeah. Had to throw Let out all the I'll, food. I'll, I'll grab a keg. Apparently, he had a few mates around to get rid of a couple, but otherwise, <laughs> they just couldn't drink them fast enough. You think of that example, it's going to cost a lot of money to ramp back up. People yeah. have to think about yeah, how are you going to fund it. So you need to be sort of speaking to your bank about you know how you're going to fund your working capital to get up and running again and how you might manage that debt load. And we're also thinking, you've seen the banks have been absolutely hammered because they're losing money, they're deferring their income by giving people debt holidays. We're thinking at Deloitte that credit might become really quite hard to get the banks might have to ration it. So if you're thinking you're going to need bank debt and bank financing, you probably want to start thinking about getting it now rather than three or four months' time where the banks might be reserving their capital for only the sort of better rated credits and the lower risk deals. And that makes sense because, I mean, obviously Mm. they're a business, so they're Mm. putting everybody's repayments on hold and everything else. Yeah. The cash flows just crashed. You know, obviously... It's better than everybody defaulting and then they fault because they don't have any money, but it still hurts yeah. cash flow if, say, a third of your customers don't pay for six months. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. That is exactly right. So you just got to think about making yeah. sure you can get hold of the money when you think you're going to need it. And it'll be interesting with the banking side of things because interest rates are so low at the moment anyway. As you said, they might get a bit more conservative with it and go into the more, I suppose, low risk sort of lending side of things yeah, and push people's LBRs to not lending 99% for a yeah. house bargain sake, you know, like actually making yeah, right. a 10%, 20% deposit. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I guess another thing about coming out of and getting into recovery is because it's so uncertain on how quick it might take off is just to make sure you remain agile. So it might be a good time if you're going to need to put on more staff you put on casuals rather than permanents or you put on contract labor so you haven't got that fixed cost if you need more machinery hire it rather than buy it it might cost more but at least it gives you flexibility to sort of scale up and down as you're going through this transition because it could come out gangbusters it could real slow like you were saying or it could be a mixture Mm. of like they could have a Mm. amount of work for two weeks, like you said, with the pubs and cafe ones, and yeah. back down. So yeah. you've got to take all that into account and you've got to consider what impact I suppose that's going to have. And then even, say, from other industries that haven't been as affected. So when you do work for the mining companies, a lot of them are 45, 60 days after the end of the month. So let's say you're a fabricator and you have to mm. buy 100 grand worth of steel and takes you a month to do whatever you have to do to it to get it all sorted, a month and a half. You put your invoice in. It could be near on three months before you actually Yeah, definitely. It. And because cash is king at the moment, and, you know, that could be a total period of five, six months between actually buying the product and, like, getting paid. That's right. Yeah, totally. And the guy you bought the steel off is probably going through exactly the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the way through the chain. I have actually said to a few, because I've got a few fabricators on my books, about the, the low-cost lending or the government-backed lending mm. stuff that we are talking before. Yeah. And, you know, really recommended they go talk to the bank about it because one of them in particular, normally they pay cash for mm. the steel and stuff, which is great. 
but they're going to have huge cash flow issues coming up because of all this. So they did the work yeah. for a couple of months. So mm. it'll be a couple of months before it starts hitting. Whereas if they can, say, get a situation where they do get a short-term loan or how yeah. it works, yeah, they can go buy a hundred grand of steel, do the job, et cetera, put it up, and then when they get paid, just pay off the loan. But at least you've got that capital behind you, you can keep going. So Definitely. No point putting a hundred percent of your eggs in the basket and having to wait six months for it to hatch. Yeah, well, you're just not going to be able to get up and running. So yeah, you need that starting capital. And it's either, like you said, get to your bank early and also talk to you about getting sort of accountant prepared sort of submission. You want to give your bank a compelling story to lend to you. So yeah. you want to present it in the best light. Or you've got to look at, well, if I can't get bank financing, do I sell a non-core asset? Do I maybe through recovery and going out, I don't restart that part of my business, which was always marginal or non-performing anyway. I can't afford to carry it. My other good businesses are at risk as well. So you just don't start up those things, no, which exactly. were never really that profitable anyway. And you could even, I mean, obviously it would have to be different scenarios and stuff, but mm. look at doing like a better terms, like a vendor finance sort of situation where let's just say the steel one for argument's sake. Yeah. You go to the supplier and you work out, yeah, you're going to have to pay more and you're going to have to pay like yeah. because if they're holding it. But yeah. we're able to get that and they'll hold the cost and then you give them 20% of the profit margin or whatever. So I, I think That's right, yeah. Yeah, that would be obviously if the banks aren't coming to the table or yeah. but. You know, there might be a bit of that sort of thing happening as well. I think people just have to remember we're all in it together. So, like we talked about the landlord-tenant thing, you've got to work together. So, you need to be talking to your suppliers and reaching those acceptable sort of mutual agreements where you and both can get through. Everything that, you know, you're going through as a business person, your supplier or customer, if they're in business, are pretty much going through the same. Mm, that is right. Everybody's in this together. It's yeah, like it's just hit one industry. So back on the insolvency and that side of things. Sure. From a safeguarding point of view, what would you say is the first sort of red flags where if you nip it in the bud, you don't have the issues, but if you just let it keep snowballing, then they'll have to wind up? I guess the most common cause of failure that we see in businesses which we can't unfortunately sort of resuscitate and get going again and they just have to fail and they go into liquidation is the one common theme is just poor information because you can't react if you don't know if you're profitable. How can you react if you just, like some people might think I've got cash in the bank so that means it's all profit and that's profit and cash are different things or they don't know how much they owe the tax man, they don't know how profitable a particular product is. Let's say they sell a million widgets and they think because they're selling so many, they're making lots of money, but they're actually losing money on every widget and they're actually just going broke faster. So it's just all about having good management information systems. And if you need your accountant to do that or your internal bookkeeper to do that, it's worth the money oh, to know exactly you where to you're at. It is profitable. The whole point of being a business is to be profitable and make money. Varying degrees of how far you want to go. Obviously, as accounting professionals, we probably go a bit further into the six-minute increments, and and that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No one starts a business, Mitch, by hiring six accountants, and you know the accountant and the bookkeepers always come a few years later. But if you are at that stage, it is worth at least starting with a bookkeeper or an external bookkeeper. You don't have to bring one on the payroll to at least understand where you're at and where you're heading, and one that you can trust. 
obviously I'd recommend going and seeing your accountant and coming to see me, et cetera. Mm. But also, mm. you know, doing some reading online of how to read a profit loss for argument's sake, mm. how to yeah. read a balance sheet and just the basics because obviously your mm. accountant's going to teach you that as well. But you yeah. need a good understanding. That's one thing I've found with clients that have come on from elsewhere, mm. started a business or whatever. Like you said before, if there's cash in the bank, it must be not profitable. There's a lot that have that sort of attitude and you go, well, it's not exactly the same. That could be taxed for argument's sake. That's right. could have all these loans and really that's just the interest rate, that, yeah. that sort of thing. So you need to be able to know, okay, I'm profitable, this is how it works, etc. And one other thing I normally recommend, especially to small businesses, mm. is to treat the business like a third party. Too many businesses, they just see it as their personal bank account. So they go, yeah. oh, sweet, there's 10 grand in there. Let's go buy a boat. Yeah, that could be tax. That could be next week's supplier payment. Who knows what it is? Yeah. Whereas if you have the business operating and work out a wage that you can live on, mm, definitely it's got to work, that I find just solves so many problems. And it also, the highs make up for the lows and it just gets all smooth. Um, obviously, you know, in accounting, we can have a bit of a seasonal sort of income spike. Mm. If during that seasonal time we just took all the money and had a great old time, which, I mean, you would, it'd be a great time. The rest of the year wouldn't be rough. You know, you'd be credit cards, you'd be just trying to survive. That's one thing I tell all my clients, work out a salary normally, work out how much the tax is going to be on it, do it like a third party. You're an employee of that business. Yeah. And that's going to save you so much problems and pay your tax because that's enough. Yes. That bites a lot of, especially small business, it, it bites them. a few years down the track once they've started. ACO is starting to jump up and down because their debt's getting bigger and bigger. A few years extra and unfortunately get Jude involved because company can't. Yeah, like after having good accounting systems and knowing whether you're making money, yeah, the biggest red flag that a company's failing is they can't pay their tax or they can't pay their super because they're yeah. using the tax man or unfortunately their employees as a bank. Unfortunately, that's quite mm. and with the super, so I think not paying the super. Because most individuals and employees don't check their super fund every quarter mm. they're paid, a lot of businesses think they can just get away with it and nobody will notice. But yeah. that's not the reality. And with the new rules that are coming in that's mm. going to be even harsher. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're facing personal liability as a director yeah. or as an employer for not paying your employee super. That and yeah. they're looking at 100% fine, the value. So, you know, you don't pay 10000 in super, you get fined 10 grand as well, but they'll put yeah. your interest and stuff on the 20. So of 10 grand, mm. I'll owe 25. Or, you know, yeah. something like that. And it's non-deductible as well. Pay your super. That's the point of that. Pay your super before you pay yourself. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Being realistic because, again, a lot of clients, and that's why I say the salary, is they don't realise how much money they're actually pulling out. They go, yeah. oh, I only take 1500 out a week. For example, I had this exact client mm-hmm. in this week and having this conversation. So they run a retail takeaway shop and they go, oh, we only take 1500 out a week for us and we pay mm-hmm. mortgage, yada, 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 out of it. I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. Okay, so I've gone through it. 
yeah, they took that much out, but they also took in another $70,000 throughout the year in just going to the shops and buying smokes or going to the park. Petrol, yeah, phones, they, and yeah, yeah. They didn't count into it. And I think looking at their accounts, for example, looks like they may have renovated their personal home and were paying <laughs> through it because there's like 40 yeah. grand to some builder. So they're going, yeah, I only take out 1500 a week, but the reality is you don't. You're taking out way more than that. And yeah. I get it, but, you know, if you're going to do that, it makes it a lot harder to sell the business. People don't get a true reflection of the profit that it is spitting out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and I get it as well. If you've got that much money mm. in the bank, it looks really good. But at the same time, they take it out. And that's where I find they get themselves into shit because they spend mm. it and then they get a big tax bill because they earn that money. You know, they earn yep. it. They've spent essentially tax money, used tax money at the bank, and then they get into some trouble. So All too often. In my experience, that's one of the big red flags doing small business is they start having not paying the tax, not paying super. The other things like if the business owner has his eye or her eye taken off the ball and that can be caused by sort of illness or, you know, death of a business partner or what we've also seen is especially increasingly over the last five years or so is sort of with drug problems as well and taking money out of the business to feed a habit gambling, all of those things can also unfortunately cause a business to suffer some distress. You know, it's unfortunate and obviously if they've got a gambling issue or a mm. drug issue, they need help. They need mm. to seek action yes. to help to get through it, but it's hard. And mm. you know, the ATO, as much as everybody doesn't like paying taxes and stuff, and don't get me wrong, yes. I'm super keen on when I get my tax bill. They are relatively reasonable. The principal amount you owe them, they'll generally say, you know, you owe us that, you've got to pay us it. But if you've got extenuating circumstances, why you didn't lodge something, whatever, they're generally mm. pretty good with, okay, well, we're not going to charge you penalties for it. If yeah. not, let's go on a payment arrangement or interest or whatever. In my experience, the times that they really throw the book at you is when you refuse to talk to them, you don't want anything to do with it, you ignore everything. And yeah. they're accredited, they want to get paid. And like if you're not coming to the party, they're gonna force you to come to the party. But so would anybody else, you know. You've got a bank loan and you just refuse to talk to the bank and pay it. Eventually the bank's gonna force you to come to the party by court or lawyers or who knows what. Uh, that's but, right. Yeah, I have found open and honest dialogue with them is the best way to get on top of it. Yeah, and that goes for all your sort of key stakeholders, your bank key suppliers, landlords, or communicate, yeah, because no one gets anywhere by sticking your head in the sand and not communicating. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.